0: IBUK Talk, the Insurance Business UK podcast.
1: This episode is presented in partnership with Travellers. As the global economy continues its rebound from the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, many sectors are showing signs of growth. But when it comes to the important space of private equity and real estate investment, what have the lingering effects of the COVID-19 pandemic been? and what could be on the horizon for insurance professionals in this market. To discuss this and more, IBUK Talk sits down with Nadia Bajan, Head of Financial Institutions with Travelers, and Stephen Ellis, Investment Management Insurance Specialist at Howden Insurance Brokers.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of IBUK Talk, the insurance industry's global podcast brought to you by Insurance Business. My name is Mia Wallace, UK Senior News Editor at Insurance Business, and today we're going to be discussing some of the main challenges facing private equity firms and real estate investment firms, particularly in light of the COVID-19 crisis. Now if, like me, you don't know a whole lot about this subject, then also like me, you're in luck because today we have two experts on hand to lend their view on the market – I'm delighted to welcome Nadia Baggin, Head of the Financial Institutions Team at Travellers Europe, and Steve Ellis, a Divisional Director at Howden Insurance Brokers, who specialises in the alternative asset management space. Many thanks to you both for joining me here today.
2: Thank you for having us. Thank you.
0: Thank you. So, uh, actually, just to start us off, Nadia, I wondered if you could tell me a little bit about how you first became involved in this space and whether there's anything you particularly enjoy about working with private equity firms and real estate investment firms.
2: So, I first got involved in insurance a long time ago, um, back in 2003, when I was in uh, Australia. After finishing university, um, I wanted to go into the uh, finance industry. I thought maybe accounting or or in bank, Um, but I wasn't too sure what I wanted to do. And uh, uh, just before I graduated, a a recruiter talked to me about uh, insurance. And uh, in all honesty, I didn't know much about insurance. I think it's still the same the case for a lot of people, especially graduates, um, because the insurance industry doesn't sell itself very well. But uh, but I thought insurance, I uh, wasn't really sure if I wanted to. And, um, and the gentleman said to me, well, you might want to look into uh, AIG. They have an opportunity for, for an underwriting position if you're interested. And uh, I looked up AIG because I'd never heard of them. And I've realized the amount of insurance uh, products that they had. And uh, some most of it I've never heard of. And, um, and I pretty much got a position in Australia with AIG, and uh, I never looked back since then. Uh, I thought the insurance industry is a um, very interesting industry. And, um, and after two years of doing uh, more commercial risk, I've, uh, I wanted to go into financial institutions. Because of my background in uh, in my degree in corporate finance, and um, and the majority of, of uh, the uh, insured that we looked at when I was AIG was uh, private equity firm and real estates in Australia, and uh, and I really enjoyed uh, underwriting them, understanding them, meeting clients, um, and especially the fact that a lot of them were investing in. Uh, and companies some of them I knew of I've heard of and when I was dri- driving around uh, Sydney I could see some buildings uh, with companies that own these buildings that I actually were client of mine. so uh, I could definitely see a connection with my day-to-day life and, uh, and enjoy it very much but I think it's uh, it's a meeting the clients and understanding the strategy that I found quite interesting and, and since then I've moved to, uh, to London in New York and uh, and then moved back to London and still in the insurance industry. And, um, yeah, and I hope to continue for many years.
0: Thank you very much for that, Nadia. It sounds like a really interesting journey to date. And actually, how about yourself, Steve? Can you tell us about your story?
3: Yeah sure so I started uh, my insurance career back in 2000 uh, it seems quite a long time ago now um and I started with um the uh, motor insurer direct line um which I spent just over a year with them um and that whetted my appetite for the insurance market um but my real interest was always going on to work in the 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 Lloyd's the Lloyd's London market um And after, uh, around about two thousand and two, I joined um, a a broker called Dixon Manchester um, to do commercial PI or professional indemnity uh, insurance, Um, and I spent uh, my career until two thousand and four in in that world. uh, and then in 2006, I had an opportunity to come to Howden, uh, Howden Insurance Brokers, um, to work on the financial institution side, um, and specifically um, the alternative asset management space, which which is you know hedge funds, um, asset managers, uh, real estate, and and of course private private equity. Um, and then in 2015, um, I had o- the opportunity to move to JLT to, um, to head up uh, their asset management uh, practice. Um, and then following the acquisition by Marsh of uh, JLT, I returned back to Howden um, in November. 2019, um, and, and continue to specialise um, in the asset management space. So, the last 15 years, um, I have I've spent um, looking after asset management clients, um, specialising in the PI, DNO, and 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 crime classes um, classes of business uh, for 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 that client base.
0: Fantastic. And it's such an interesting space. And I can imagine it must be quite fascinating from your perspective to see the different claims trends that sweep the sector and, and how they change over time. So maybe starting with you, Steve, can you tell me about any key claims trends that you and your team have seen?
3: Well, I kind of on the private equity side, it, it, it's not a, it's not an asset class where we see huge amounts of, of, of claims from a, from a frequency point of view. Um but, but when we do see claims, they can they can be fa- fairly sizable. Um, we we don't tend to see a lot of claims from LPs against the the investment managers. Um, it tends to be m- more involved around the portfolio companies that the private equity houses are investing into, um, and the type of claims can be kind of disagreements between the the investee companies and and the private equity. House, um, or you know, especially when we see private equity houses, sometimes if they they refinance for refinancing the 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 investee company, we sometimes see um, claims from minority shareholders um, in in those portfolio companies um, bringing actions against the private equity house, you know, kind of for undervaluing of shareholding um, and that type of thing. Um, you know, so we we we. We do see private equity firms kind of being dragged into to claims uh, involving involving portfolio companies, um, you know, merely because because of the holding um, that, that that they have in those businesses.
0: Fantastic. And and how about you, Nadia? Do these match up with what you and your team are experiencing?
2: Yeah, I concur with, with Steve's comments. Um, we, we haven't seen any uh, trends as such and it uh, um, kind of uh, get claims or, or allegation of, of um, uh, misconduct or wrongful act. Um, with different allegation every time and, and as Steve mentioned usually portfolio companies is the one uh, usually that being uh, sued um, and what we tend to see most of the time and we keep an eye out on is a uh, larger private equity firm uh, who tend to acquire portfolio company via leverage so doing leverage buyouts Um, and then oftentimes we do see the portfolio company going to insolvency, potentially, uh, that's something we keep an eye on during the lockdown last year. Um, and, and sometimes you can get, uh, the equity firm getting, getting claim against because of the amount of leverage, um, that they take on via the portfolio company or or sometimes uh, not frequently in the UK, but a little bit more in the US or especially when there's US exposure, uh, something called dividend recap, which is effectively uh, the portfolio company taking on more debt um, in order to pay dividend to the uh, portfolio. Uh, sorry the private equity firm um, and and then leave the the for company potentially to financial distress and so you get minority investors coming in uh, shareholders coming in and, and so a private private equity firm so we do uh, we do see some of them and oftentimes you know when it gets as Steve mentioned when, it, when you get a claim it can get ugly pretty quick, um, especially when they do invest in significant number of portfolio companies, so they can get pretty much a, a claim anywhere, especially when they are from the US. So if, if they invest heavily in the US, we know that the claim environment in the US is is definitely worse than in Europe. Um, and that's always something we, we look at. Uh, when it comes to like real estate investment funds, um, uh, what we tend to see at the moment we keep an eye out will be sometimes incomplete transactions, so um, we've seen cases where uh, some some insured wanted to acquire assets, uh, real estates, and then when the lockdown happened, pulled out last minute, um, and there might be some disputes um, in that regards. And also we keep an eye out on um, uh, rental payments. Uh, so the real estate firm have to pay uh, debts that they own in order to acquire um, real estate, and they are relying on tenants to pay their, uh, their rent in order to pay the debt and, um, and we've seen some financial distress um, and, um, and reposition from the banks in uh, certain cases. So um, we, we do keep an eye out on, on these type of um, notification because, uh, again, they can get um, you know, ugly pretty quickly.
0: When you mention those, those kind of areas, I can, I can really see why you guys enjoy working in this space so much. I imagine there's never a dull moment.
2: Oh, definitely not, and especially when you read the news. Uh, oftentimes, they are, you know, name of, of private equity firm or real estate investment funds or, or, you know, being mentioned, and most people don't really know them well. Um, but then, you know, you can say, well, I, I know this client and I know these clients, and you kind of uh, get a good understanding of what's going on. And, and um, especially, you know, interest rate increases. Most people don't really think about it. Uh, what they think about their, you know, mortgage. But for us, we think, oh, what impact will it have on our clients? Uh, and and you immediately think of, you know, insurance of our client, what's going to happen. And uh, I find it quite interesting. I, I find it really interesting, personally.
0: I can completely imagine why. And actually, it's interesting that you mentioned that because you mentioned the different private equity firms. And I can imagine that when once you get into the detail of it all, one private equity house is not quite like another. So from the market's perspective, what do you think differentiates one from the other? Maybe starting with you there, Steve.
3: Yeah, I mean you're right. It's um, it's an interesting um client, you know, client base to, to work with. Um, you know, they they all have different risk profiles. Uh, you know, they're all uh, you know, they are all involved in different sectors. Um, that they're that they're investing into, um, which makes you know what you know no no two private equity um firms are are really the same. Um, but I really I think what differentiates private equity houses from a market point of view is really how, how they run, how they run their business, you know, um, you know, the controls that they, they have, um, they have in place, um, you know, how they, how they manage their, their portfolios. Um, and, you know, during, during school, the, the, the COVID crisis that that's really come to the, comes to the fore in terms of, um, you know how how those how those portfolios have been have been managed through kind of de- really difficult economic um, environments. Um, so the differentiation is always going to be, um, I, and I think Nadia will probably agree. Is, is is when when you're looking at private equity as as a as a risk, is you know how is that how is that business run? Uh, you know who who's in charge what are, what are their controls like um, you know the, the, the those type of things um, not specifically actually as to you know where they invest and um, uh, you, you know the you know the sector that, that 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 they invest into
0: fantastic and has that been to your experience as well nadia
2: yes no absolutely and and one thing we we also look at when it comes to differentiation, is is you know the amount of leverage being used? Some uh, private equity firms do use a lot, some others don't, um, and geographically where they invest, um, and so uh, we we keep an eye out on this uh, very much, and also the amount of um, of investment that they make because some private equity firms do uh, invest heavily and frequently. Where they do quite a lot of MA and and all over the world, and uh, you know it's high risk compared to some others where they make investment for the long haul and uh, and they don't really they they make um, investment in portfolio companies uh, when or if required, but they are more um, I guess careful with with a dry powder and take their time and really invest into the portfolio company and and making sure that it grows and, and is profitable uh, others are all about uh, investing as much as possible and and using tremendous amount of leverage so um, I mean there's pros and cons in all of them but certainly something that we uh, we keep an eye out on and um, and also a number of of uh, you know um, position outside directorship position that the uh, companies uh, have. Sometimes it's only one director sitting on these portfolio companies. Sometimes they have multiple directors sitting on the boards, and so. Um, but definitely, the due diligence and and how they manage these companies are, are quite key for us.
0: Thanks for that. And this is clearly quite a complex space that's facing quite a lot of upheaval right now. So I wondered, Nadia, if from an insurer's perspective, you could detail some of
2: your main points of concern regarding this market at the moment. So the key, and I think everyone will agree with me, is the uncertainty. Um, I mean, definitely last year during the lockdown, early lockdown in March, uh, I think the whole insurance market was uh, incredibly concerned about the uncertainty and maybe perhaps it was you know the end of the world and uh, almost put a stop at everything because we just did not know what to expect I think a lot of private equity firm and and um, uh, real estate investment companies as well just uh, just didn't know what what was going to happen we didn't know how long the lockdown was going to last was it going to be two months three months a year I think none of us believe it was going to be that long um, and we weren't sure you know if the government was going to come in and and um, provide some support so it was just the uncertainty overall, and um, and that was concerning because um, you know, being insurers, you, you you think a worst case scenario. So I think the key concern that we had was um, the insolvency, obviously, because uh, a lot of companies, uh, portfolio companies, went into financial difficulties either because of the lockdown and had to shut down, especially on a retail standpoint. Uh, and hospitality. because a lot of um, private equity firm invested in the hospitality industry, so they were hit pretty badly, and um, and some had to shut down. So the key concern was, you know, insolvency and have they breached their covenants, the debt covenants? And actually, a lot of them have. Um, but because it was the entire industry being affected by it, a lot of the banks were very open and and uh, willing to negotiate with with uh, the private equity firm and portfolio companies when it comes to uh, to the uh the covenant breach which was you know very helpful for us and and definitely we wanted to have client calls so that we can understand what's going on and and um how the portfolio companies are, are performing overall and uh that was definitely the key concern that um that the industry had uh because suddenly all these uh larger private equity firm that rely heavily on debt uh, leverage buyouts suddenly um you realize that that was a bigger concern that 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 you thought it was going to be and um and a lot of investment as well on you know on tech uh, on technology companies and healthcare, which is uh you know very understanding it's it's growing and it's generally profitable but another piece for us you know understanding is you know especially tech companies it's it's hot it's uh it's, um, desirable. It's profitable, but a lot of it is startups and a lot of them are, are maybe not yet profitable and you, you, everyone's hoping for, for potentially you know, a, a unicorn. Tech companies and um, and there's going to be a lot of failures, so it's it's kind of uh, keeping an eye out on uh, on that sector and especially healthcare as well, and to see whether or not it's it's going to be profitable in the future. Or so um, yeah, a lot of lot of uncertainty. We, we were hoping that with with the lockdown maybe um, getting better now and, and you know slowly getting back to normal. We're seeing that a little bit more in the US. Uh, I think the view is, are we going to go back to normal and, and, and then the portfolio companies will be doing well and, you know, go back to, to what it was previously or is it going to be a massive shift? And for like real estate, for instance, are, are companies going to effectively still rent office space? Are they going to cut that, which we've seen? Uh, people are people going to move back to the city and are we going to see less restaurants? Are we going to see less employees? Um, you know, working in the office and is that going to affect the the valuation of the property so there's a lot of things in there that we just uh we just don't know and so you have to to uh to continue with with calls with client and understand where they're coming from they know their business better than than we ever will and uh and just um yeah and just just uh keep keep in touch and and uh continue watching what's going on and and on the right to it really
0: Fantastic. There's a lot of really great facts to unpack there, Nadia. And and Steve, from a broker's perspective, what are some of your main points of concern right now?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, Nadia's done a a good job of explaining the the issues that that the the insurers um, have with, with the space um, but, but but our concerns are on the flip side because we're working on behalf of of the client um, obviously trying to get the best possible deal for them in, in in the market and 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 get cover cover in place for them so our our biggest concern for the private equity space has been available um, insurer capacity within within the market um, um, we've we've had we've had a lot of insurers kind of pull out of the private equity space for all the, for all the reasons that that Nadia described. Um, so we've had less and less um, insurers kind of willing to, to to write private equity as a as an asset class, which has obviously caused caused issues um, for, for for our client base. Um, so that has been the biggest concern for us um and what that has done is is you know we've had to work really hard with the insurance market and really hard with our clients to explain their business to to insurers um to get them or to get them over the hurdles um that 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 the insurance market have around private equity um and again all, all those issues that, that that nadia explained we 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 you know we've been working very hard to try and to try and counter those and explain to the you know insurers um how how private equity firms have you know controlled their their covenants um you know how they how they've controlled kind of the you know the the, the finance of the of the of businesses that have struggled through through lockdown that have been exposed to to lockdown you know like hospitality um, so I guess they're they they're the biggest concerns for us is is just um, you know it's just a, a kind of a lack of capacity um, in the insurance market that's you know kind of willing to write 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 primary um, primary um, private equity um, and what, and what we have seen in, in the market as well is that some insurers who have previously written primary private equity have actually pulled out of not just the private equity space, but out of the financial institution space altogether. Um, so it's made, made it made it um, uh, a, a challenging market, um, but one we kind of really had to, to battle through, um, you know, and, and really bringing out bringing our clients along. You know, for, for for the journey to get them to to, to a place of getting um, suitable cover,
2: and definitely something I just wanted to add is is you know a lot of uh underwriters and and brokers to an extent have never experienced something like a, what we call a hard market so you know when suddenly uh, the the market's hardening there's less insurers uh there are more claims coming and um, and it took a while for, for underwriters and brokers to, to get used to it especially the younger generation who've never experienced this before uh, I mean no one's ever experienced something like that it's it's uh, you know lockdown it's uh, I never thought it will ever happen but uh, but but I'm sure that you know Steve and I have experienced the hard market from many many years ago, and and um, and so definitely the the key which has really helped, and it took a little while for everyone to get used to it, was. Uh, client calls and client meetings via zoom and an ms team where we could uh, ask all the questions and and feel comfort when the broker when the client you know started explaining that they have everything under control and kind of understood where we're coming from and definitely we're seeing now uh, brokers understanding and anticipating the question we're going to ask so it's just a little bit I guess, a smoother process, a little bit more than it was, you know, a year ago where it was rather really, really difficult. I'm not saying it is a lot easier now because it's still a lot of uncertainty, but I think there's a lot more understanding on both sides as to the key concern that, that we're having and the brokers are having and, and more conversation in, in between, uh, between us and the brokers about our key concern. And uh, I hope that has definitely helped uh, and, and in 2021 a, a bit of easier, I guess, renewal than it was in 2020.
3: Yeah, I, I I agree with 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 what Nadia is saying, and I think probably the, you, you know if there's any positives that have come out of this, you know, more more challenging market, is that I think insurers and clients have probably partnered more than they um, than they had in the past when we had you know softer market conditions, um, and I think probably now clients can see the value in in long term relationships with. With their insurer, um, which I think can be, you know, a, a, a good thing for kind of everyone, everyone concerned, um, you know, and, and and especially the clients, which is obviously from a broking point of view, the 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 main thing.
0: No, that's fantastic. Thank you for that, and I'm really glad to hear that those conversations have been so fruitful. And, and what I find quite fascinating from my perspective is the commonality in both your answers, and and it makes sense given how closely I know Travellers works with its broker partners. So I wonder, Nadia, if you could tell me a little bit about what you believe makes for a strong relationship with a broker partner, particularly during a time of crisis.
2: The keys communication, um, staying in touch with with our brokers. Uh, I know that early on it was uh, you know overwhelming. Uh, underwriters were overwhelmed with submission. Brokers were overwhelmed with uh, with the changes in the market and maybe queries from the clients. And a, a renewal that took uh, maybe a week to place now took two months, if not more than that. So certainly, um, what I've found to be quite important to be, uh, in order to have a strong relationship with brokers, is is to keep an open dialogue. Um, and more importantly, if we have any type of concern, to pick up the phone, not really rely on emails, but pick up the phone and, and have a discussion about key concern we may have uh, about m- maybe an industry overall or specific client, just so... Um, Either we can, you know, later on organize a call with the client, or or even continue having conversation about what's your key concern, why do you have a concern? Um, because you know, as insurers, we always will think about you know worst case scenario, but um, it's very important because you know the brokers speak to the client directly, and it's important for us as insurers to understand what the key concern the clients have in regards to uh, their business and their insurance. And as Steve mentioned previously. You know, with the with this, it is nice to see that um, with the hard market uh, that the client have now a better understanding, maybe a better appreciation, perhaps of, of insurers. So um, uh, you know, it was it is very key to, to keep in touch with brokers um, on a regular basis and and uh, keep keep them updated of what's going on with them. Um, with the insurance industry overall and, and with us and, um, and I think he has worked quite, quite well in the past and will continue as well.
0: Thank you very much for that Nadia and from a broken perspective Steve, what do you think makes for a strong relationship with an insurer partner?
3: Well, I think um, I think firstly it, it's an insurer that has been in the market for a long time and is is, is going to be um, in the market and, and writing this class of business, for, you know, for the foreseeable future. Um, I think one of the other the other areas um, that we have seen from the market. That has been a bit of a, as a, a, of a frustration, has been sometimes a a blanket um, view on certain certain asset classes. Um, so it's about insurers who are willing to differentiate different clients because of the way, you know, that they run their business, and um, and that involves you know that involves a lot more work in terms of breaking breaking that down. So have, having an insurer who is willing to kind of Get underneath the skin um, of a, you know of a, of a client is is, is really important, um, and then I think you know one of one of the major ones is is you know the the, the claim service. Um, you know from a from a client point of view, they ultimately pay their premium because you know they may at some point along the line have have to make a claim. So yeah, you know, the the claim service. The willingness to pay claims, the ability to pay claims, is is very important when we're kind of discussing the merits of certain insurers with with our with our clients, um, you know. And that's that that's really that's really the kind of the the main areas for us, um, you know. It's just a kind of no no kind of um, surprise kind of element of the uh, to the way that that the insurers go go about go about their business
2: and i I, I concur with, with Steve on regards to claims because you know a lot of clients always think oh it 's not going to be me you know i 'll never get claim and we see that a little bit when it comes to cyber risk for instance you know uh, they think it'll never happen to me uh, you know we 've never had issues in the past and and then once they get a claim that 's when suddenly the insurance that they have and uh, and the insurer behind it is suddenly so important to them, and they're asking a lot of questions, and they're suddenly interested in coverage, and uh, who's the insurer behind it, and, and all the brokers would mention, you know, who the carriers are, and sometimes maybe the crate rating and things like that, but but it's uh, some, some insured are very on top of this, but most insured because they maybe lack experience when it comes to claim, really don't think about, sometimes perhaps the value of the insurance until they do they do get dragged into a claim and and that is vital because this is what we're selling. We're not just selling a policy, we're selling claim claim handling uh and and we have internally a very good relationship with our claims team and and we try to get them out and you know speak about it and and, um because it's key at the end of the day that's what we do we pay claims um and and that's that's the key for for all you know clients just to make sure that um that they have and, and for brokers to make sure they have insurers that are there and are experienced and when it comes to claim that's key
3: yeah, and I and I sort of add in add into that. You know, the you know, the type of insurance that that we're looking at here is, you know, claims are not claims are not straightforward. They can be they can be complex. They can be you know, they are allegations from third parties of you know a, a, of wrongful acts. It's it's not always a black and white kind of claim. It's not you know, it's not like kind of buildings insurance where you know you know a house burns down and the house is worth X and you know the, the the insurer pays it this is this is very different this is this is allegations of financial loss so they can be complex and drawn out um claims um so as nadia says you know having the right having the right partner um, in place is is, is vital
0: no i can imagine for such a complex topic it requires a real myriad of great relationships both internally and externally for the market to thrive
3: yeah definitely
0: Fantastic. Well, I must say, I personally feel like I have learned an awful lot today, but for those who are listening who would like to find out a a little bit more, what would be the best way to get in contact with you? you first, Nadia?
2: Uh, for us it would be definitely via a broker. Um and um we've got all of our information on our website, uh a, a Travelers UK website of the type of insurance that we provide and our expertise. Um definitely that would be uh the first stop. But um but all all inquiries usually would be dealt via via a broker.
0: Brilliant. And to you, Steve?
3: Yeah, again it's um y- y- you know People could reach out to me me directly, or you know, it's via it's via our um, via our website, where you can there, there's a specific page for for private equity clients, um, and they can find that at howdongroup.com.
0: Fantastic. Well, my huge thanks for speaking with us here today, and for all your time and expertise, it has been such a pleasure.
2: Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thank you again. And for everybody listening, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And I look forward to having you back with us next time here on IBUK Talk.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of IBUK Talk. For more from the experts at Travelers, please visit them at www.travelers.com. That's www.travelers.com for more. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts.